You are listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. So, you know, God's kind of put it on our hearts here at this church to help the needy and feed the needy and uh, the homeless and that whole part of the community. So we're going to do that in an attempt to help. The Unity Project is going to be a big part of it. Um, gravity, of course. And then, so if you're looking for something to do next Saturday at 10, come by. Uh, our food giveaway. We've kind of restructured along with Saturday nights and everything else that we're doing. We've restructured the food giveaway. Um, there's a box of food in the back corner. So on your way out or as you're walking around, if you can look at it, you get an idea of what they look like. Um, on Saturday nights, we're going to start bringing boxes of food here, so we're going to need your help. Um, and that would require you to, if you know somebody from work or a neighbor or a family member or maybe you yourself needs, uh, needs a box of food, you know anybody, just feel free to take one and disperse it at your will. So that's what we're going to do on Saturday nights. Am I forgetting anything? Okay. All right, so I'm going to share a little story with you about... Kind of how my life's been going the last couple of weeks. Many, by the way, my name is Vince, and many of you who know me um, kind of know where I spend my time during the day in, in, in parks and under the bridges with, with the homeless community. And uh, God's put that on my heart for now about six months. And in the last couple of weeks, um, I've been going through, through some personal things, so I'm not really ready to share that with you yet, but. Um, during that time, I kind of felt like I was forgotten. God's kind of telling me to tell you guys this story because I believe that there's somebody here today that, that needs to hear this because sometimes we all kind of forget that voice or we forget what it sounds like um, and we kind of get led astray maybe. So bear with me for a minute. <clears throat> um, well, in the last six months, I've been able to hear God's voice really, really clearly and, and do his work as he asked me to do. The last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to hear that so well. So I, I, was, I was, you know, talking to God going, dude, where are you? <laughs> I mean, I can't hear you no more. I mean, we're, I want to do something. I want to serve, but I can't hear your voice. Uh, just about that time Wednesday, my wife has a meeting in Monterey. Who hasn't been to Monterey, by the way? If you haven't, Dave Flack, oh my gosh. If you haven't been to Monterey, get there, it's beautiful. So she has this business meeting on Wednesday. We get there Wednesday morning and uh, had a great time together. Her meeting wasn't until 2.30. So between 2.30 and 4, she had her meeting. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna take a nap. And we had a hotel room and, and uh, you know, so I laid down, turned on Sports Center. And there was that voice. Wow, God followed me all the way to Monterey? I mean, that's how I felt. Because during the last two weeks, I was like, well, you know, the enemy starts speaking and says, see, he forgot about you. See, he forgot about you. But my faith tells me, no, he didn't. Where are you, God? Where are you? And finally, you know, Wednesday, he says, go for a walk on the beach. And I was like, oh, man, I really want to just take a nap. Seriously, that's how I felt. <laughs> and anyway, I got up and I went down to the beach walking just along the, the, the sand where the water's coming up. And on the side, over here, there's restaurants and like some, some brick walls and stuff. And the water comes up and it's like gonna get me wet, so what do I do? I run from it. And I, I run around the corner 
and smack right into a homeless guy. And I was like, wow, okay, Lord, now there you are, and this is why I'm supposed to be here. So we start talking, and we had a great conversation for like 45 minutes, just, just had a wonderful time. But during this conversation, this guy who's been homeless for 15 years, right there in Monterey, right on the beach, watching people walk by the stores, shopping right in the cannery row. And they just look at him, and they look at him like there's something wrong with him. And while I was sitting there with him, people were looking at me like there was something wrong with me because I was with him. And I felt that. I could see it, and I could feel it, and I could only imagine what, what he must be thinking and feeling every day. So we started talking, and he said, you know, Vince, through all this, um, I just got to tell you, I don't feel like I have any value anymore. His name was James, by the way. And he said, I don't feel like I have any value anymore. Well, he was drinking a beer. Go figure. And Pastor Caesar, I don't know if he's here. He's a good brother from Unity Project. Um, he had a really cool message early this summer when we were out Tuesday nights in the park. And it had to do with God being our Redeemer. So I kind of stole his message and said, you know, grab the beer can and, and told them that, um, you know, do you see value in this beer can? Recyclers, they see value in the beer can because they can, they can get something from it. And he said, yeah, you can recycle and get money, and, and yeah, there's value there. And I said, okay, well, you know, God sees value in us, too. Now, if you smash that beer can and you twist it all up, so some pe sometimes people are broken and twisted, and that's how we feel, then is it still valuable? Does it have the same value? And he said, yeah, I guess it does. I said, okay, well, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, God still sees value in you. He still loves you. So this man, he's 58 years old, begins to cry. And that wasn't very good for me because I cried with him. <laughs> but so we talked for, for, our, for our time. I, I gave him my story, and, and he gave me his story and how he became to be where he is and talked about his family. He's got eight kids all over the state of California. And so when we were done talking, I asked him if it was all right to pray with him. And he said, yeah, he was receptive. He opened up his hands and let me grab his hands. And, uh, and we prayed. And I prayed for his family, his kids, his, his life, his, his everything. And when we were done praying, he, he stopped and he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, Vince, you know, I'm 58 years old. And I can't even remember the last time somebody took time to pray with me. And then he said, did God send you here? I was like, well... <laughs> Yes, he did, by the way, he did. And so we left on a really cool note. Um, I, just, I just thought, you know, that God asked me to share this with you because sometimes we forget. And during those last two weeks, I sort of forgot really what God had called me to do. And then he just put it right in my face. So anyway, thank you. Thanks, brother. You know, one of the things that we believe in here at Gravity is that some of the most important things that happen in our life happen in conversation. And conversation means that there's more than one person doing the talking, right? Not one guy up here with a microphone doing all the lecturing. It's, it's got to be a two-way street. You have to be involved in the conversation. And when you hear stories like that, 
you find out how much meaning and how much depth and how much you can learn about yourself and about other people when you're willing to stick yourself out there and have a conversation. And uh, I, I believe that God has called many of us, if not all of us, to actually a ministry of conversation where your ministry starts with the simple phrase, tell me your story, sometimes to a perfect stranger like Vince did. And God takes it from there. And it's an amazing thing that starts to happen when we put ourselves out there. How many of you guys did your homework last week? Yeah, all right, we got a few of you. But for the rest of you that didn't know you had homework, we'll give you a pass this week on your report card. We were, as a group, going to read Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. And the reason that we were going to read it is because we have been talking about this amazing thing about perspective and how God's perspective changes everything that we see in our life. Because you and I look around the world and we see things the way that we see them. Through our pain, through our experience, through the things that we've been through, it skews the way that we see the world around us. And it's so critical that we come to the place where we allow God's perspective to reshape our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes. Everything about us has to be reshaped through the perspective of God. And so last week, we started talking about how when God created the world, everything was good. Matter of fact, when God created everything, it was perfect. And we looked at the account in Genesis chapter 1 about how God created the, the dry land and the water and the sky and, and all the different things. And if you did your homework, then you read about it this week as well. And it was all good. And then we talked about last week the fact that when we look around the world now, it's anything but good. It's anything but perfect. It's anything but the way that God created it. And so we started to ask the question, why? Why is it that way? And we found out that God in Ephesians tells us about his heart and about his secret plan. It says in verse 9, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan that is centered on Christ, designed long ago according to God's good pleasure. And this is his plan, that at the right time, he will bring everything together under authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And then we looked at a timeline together. You guys remember the timeline? I think we could put it up there. We looked at the beginning of creation and how God, in its original state, created it perfect. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no wars. There was no death. And then we talked about how, if you did your homework, you read in Genesis 2 and 3, the account of Adam and Eve, and how because of that, sin entered the picture. There was a literal curse that was placed upon the earth and upon, upon everything that we touch. And because of that curse, death, sickness, disease, depression, ornery husbands, rebellious teenagers, the list goes on and on. It all came as a result of that. And then we found that at the end of the story, it wasn't done yet. Jesus was going to come. Jesus was going to bring redemption as Vince just got done sharing with us. If you read in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, you read the account of how God created man. He created Adam. The Bible says that, that he formed him from the dust of the earth and then he breathed his own breath into Adam's lungs. God gave Adam life. And then it says in this, in this book of Genesis that God planted a garden for Adam. Now, if you've ever planted a garden, you know that you don't just walk out and just, you know, plant the garden and the next day everything's growing. A garden takes time to plant and to grow and to develop. As we read the, the account of Genesis, we read 
that God started to spend time with Adam. He began to develop a relationship with him. It started off with the garden that he planted for him. And then God started to talk to him and began to have conversation. And then we heard, as we read it, that, that God told him, he said, Adam, there's this one tree that you got to stay away from. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours for the taking. And then we read in the, in the book there how God said to Adam, Adam, I can see that you're lonely. I can see that you're being alone is not a good thing. And so he gives Adam a job, which is what you should do with a lonely person, right? You put them to work. You say, here, name all the animals on the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that was not some small undertaking. There are so many species of animals. There are so many different kinds of animals. And the Bible says, as we read, that God literally put them all before Adam, and Adam had to name them one by one. That's a big job. God and Adam are talking during this time. They're having a conversation. They're developing a relationship. And at the end of this job, God looks at Adam. He's like, there's no animals that look like you. We're going to have to do something about this. And the Bible says that God put Adam to sleep, and then he took a rib out of his side, and he created a woman. Her name was Eve. We have our first family right there in the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, Garden of Eden. The Bible says that they were, everything about this condition was perfect. There was no sin. And as a result of this, the Bible says they didn't even know any shame. They walked around naked as jaybirds, and they didn't even know it. They were just like, I'm free, I'm free, and everything was good. And they had no second thought about it. And then we read in the account in chapter 3 how Satan came in the form of a snake, and he tempted Eve, and he said to Eve some deceitful things, and he got her to believe a lie. And she took that fateful bite, and then she handed the apple to Adam, because he was standing right there watching the whole thing like a dummy. And he took the, the apple, and he took a bite, and the rest is history. The Bible says that sin entered mankind, and there's been a chain reaction happening ever since. They had to leave that perfect place, the Garden of Eden, because of what had happened. I want to ask you a question. How do you think God felt when this happened? Put yourself in God's shoes. Put yourself in the perspective of a father. I want you to tell me, how do you think God felt? For the next few moments, you and I are going to think about that. We're going to think about what it may have felt like for God. I want to tell you a story from God's perspective. What do you think God felt like when this happened? Will you listen to my story? It's a story that's been told thousands of times before by all kinds of people. But nobody ever really tells it like I do. You see, it's a story about romance and tragedy. Incredible and devastating tragedy. It's a story of how I had everything I had ever dreamed of instantly taken away from me. It's a story that's been misunderstood and lied about. Some have even denied that my story ever happened. But please, listen to me share it. My name is Love, and this is the story that I must tell. 
started out like any other day. The birds were singing their songs, the air was warm and the sun was bright. I had walked with him in the morning and we had talked about how everything was beginning to grow in the garden, the garden that I had planted for him. He was strong, just as I had made him. He was smart too. He was always asking me questions about the garden and the world around him. He seemed to have such a thirst for knowledge. Every time he would ask me something, I could feel our hearts grow closer together. It was almost as if he asked me questions just to hear me talk. He really was the apple of my eye, the object of my affection. I was so proud of him. His name was Adam. Something happened one day that would ever, forever change our relationship though. I began to notice that my son was aware of all the animals around him, how they interacted with each other and how they all seemed to have a companion of their own. He noticed how they cared for each other and how they seemed to enjoy being a part of a family, how the parents nurtured their young and cared for them. He didn't complain about this or even ask me about it, but I could tell that something was missing for him. Our love for each other was very deep, but I had put desires in his heart that were now starting to come to life. At first, I didn't want to do anything. I was very protective of my son's love. Our relationship was growing by the day and I loved our early morning walks in the garden, but I knew that the time had come for me to give him a companion, someone to touch, someone he could look at, someone that was just like him. When my son went to sleep that night, I took something from him that would help to create the bond between he and his new companion. I took one of his ribs. I know this sounds silly, but I wanted him to really understand that I was giving him a special gift, someone that was made from him. I created her just as I had created Adam with my breath in her lungs, and she was something. You should have seen the look on Adam's face when he woke up. He was staring at her with a smile that was so wide it could have lit up the earth. He was so happy that he just started laughing, which of course made me start to laugh too. But after a few moments, the reality of what he had been given started to sink in. And then he started to cry. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, thank you, dad. She is perfect in every way, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. My son was so excited that he showed her the entire garden. He took her to each of the four rivers that flowed through it and even took her on a hike up to the high places overlooking the beautiful scenery. They were like kids at an amusement park, running from one display to the next. He finally had someone to experience the beauty of the garden with. He finally had someone just like him. Our relationship continued to grow and we talked often, all three of us. Adam and his companion were full of life, full of joy. Everything was just as I had created it to be and it was all good. I must now tell you about something that is very difficult. Something so painful and devastating that no family should ever have to go through it. Someone came between my children and me. He was a liar and he lied about me. My kids loved me. They knew me. But sometimes a lie can be so convincing 
that it sounds true. This person, this snake, told my daughter that I was withholding something from her, something magical, something special. He said that if I really loved her, I should give her everything and not withhold anything from her at all, that I was hiding something, that maybe I was hiding other things too. He said in a sly, wicked way, you can't trust your father. My daughter didn't know that what I was keeping from her was actually poison and that I was protecting her from something very dangerous, something that would destroy the very innocence that Adam and her enjoyed. They had such a freedom that they didn't even know they were supposed to wear clothes. They had absolutely no inhibitions, no shame. That is until she listened to the lie. When they approached that tree, the dangerous one that I had warned them of, I was not there, but I could feel it when she took the first bite. It was as if all of my creation knew it as well. Things would never be the same after this. I ran after them, looking for them. I needed to see it for myself, but they weren't around. I looked for them in all of the places that we usually went together, but they were gone. And then it hit me. They were hiding. They were hiding from me. I called out to my son. I said, Adam, where are you? And then I heard his voice trembling and scared. And he said, I was afraid, so I hid. I couldn't believe my ears. My son said that he was afraid. Afraid of what? Hadn't I always protected him? Hadn't I given him everything that he needed? How could he be afraid? I'm his father. I love him. That's when they stepped out of the trees and I saw them. I saw them standing there, covering themselves up, trying to hide their nakedness. It was over. Everything had changed. And now they knew. The things that happened next to my family are so painful to talk about. I had to make my kids some clothes to cover themselves. They wouldn't even look at me anymore. The regret that they felt was overwhelming. You see, when my kids ate that fruit, they died inside. They could still walk around, but the part of them that I knew, their spirit, it died. It was a sudden, unexpected death, total finality, and nothing would ever be the same. When I asked them to leave the garden, I think that they felt relieved. They were no longer comfortable to be in my presence. There was just too much that had happened and they both knew it. The life that was once light and free was now burdened and difficult. They would do their best to try to make amends with me, to fix what was broken, but I couldn't help them. As they left the garden, I could see the heavy chains of sin being put onto their backs. They had given themselves to the devil, the devil that had lied to them and they were slaves now. They needed someone to liberate them, someone to save them, someone to rescue them. One day, I would send someone to bring them back home, back home to me, home where they belong. I would send Jesus. The end.
How does that make you feel when you hear something like that? When you put yourself in God's perspective, and you say, God, what did you go through when this all happened? You see, you and I look at it sometimes very sanitarily. We look at it and we just think, oh, this is just something, and we just we blow through it. But we fail to see that a father lost his kids. We fail to see a family that was torn apart. We fail to see the pain on all sides and all front. You see, we experience the after effect now. We feel the aftershocks. But I believe God felt the pain then. And I think that when we look at this story, it gives us a whole different perspective and a whole different way of looking at Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us over and over again in many different places that Christ came for us. And sometimes we read that and sometimes we know that and intellectually we blow past the depth of what it really means that Christ came for us. I want you to think about something for a second. If you had three kids and you lost two of them and the only way that you could get your two kids back was to send your third son or your third child to the same place that you lost the first two, would you do it as a parent? Would you do that? That's tough. You see, when the Bible says... In John 3.16, as you and I could quote it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him could have eternal life. Do you know what that means, that God gave his only son? It meant that God knew the pain of a parent losing their children, and he says, there is no other way I have to do this. I want you to think about sin with me for a second. And I want you to think about the grip that sin has on the human race. And I want you to think about the lie that the devil told. And I want you to get in your mind the fact that there is an enemy of God, Satan. He hates God. He hates us. And I want you to get in your mind's eye the fact that he told a lie to God's kids to try to steal those kids away. And then you know what he did? He held it over God's head and said, Nanny, 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 you'll never get your kids back unless you pay a ransom. You guys know what a ransom is? You watch the news, you know. There's some wicked people in the world, and sometimes wicked people kidnap, and then they say, I want a ransom. You're going to pay the dollar amount that I demand, and if you don't, you'll never see your loved one again. Do you realize that that is exactly what Satan did to God? He says, if you ever want to see your kids again, you got to pay the ransom. The Bible says in 1 Timothy that Christ Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all men. He gave himself. He paid the price. He says, there is no other way. I will willingly allow this to happen, and I will pay the, the ransom so that I can have all of my kids back. 
And when you think about it from that perspective, when you think about the great price that was paid for years in my lives, it's amazing. It's amazing to think about the depth of what was going on in the heart of God, a father saying, there's no other way. I will give my kids the only thing that I know that will rescue them. I'll pay the ransom. It was Jesus. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, check out this scripture. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When we begin to allow God to change our perspective of everything that we see, it affects us deeply. We see things differently. We love differently. God begins to come inside of us, and he begins to, uh, to take over what was lost and what was dirty and what was dead, and he begins, he begins to bring forth newness and life, and everything that was old, he begins to deal with, and this new, beautiful thing begins to come up inside of us. I was driving this afternoon on my way to go to a wedding. Talk about a set of mixed emotions. I'm driving down the, the road, getting ready to go to one of the most special celebrations on planet Earth, the marriage of two beautiful people that love each other. And I'm getting ready. I'm getting, you know, my game face on. I'm thinking, oh, man, I freak out every time I have to stand in front of a congregation in my monkey suit. And I'm trying to talk myself through this. And I'm, I'm driving, and I'm thinking, okay, God, thank God they wanted a short ceremony. We'll get through this, you know. And in front of me at the stoplight, I pull up. And I look to my left, and there's a woman and her husband in this truck, and she is just weeping. And she's looking out the window, and she's not looking at me. She's just kind of looking down, but she's just broken and weeping, and I just see the agony on her face, and it's obvious they're fighting. And so they pull out in front of me, and, I, and, I, and I'm behind them driving. And all of a sudden, I see the husband. He's driving, turn his head at his wife. And I, could, I couldn't hear the words he was saying, but it's as if I could just see the venom just, just splattering on her as his words were just killing her. And I just see this abuse and this pain, and I start crying, and, and I'm, my heart is broken, and I start praying for these people. I'm just like, God, please make him stop. Just make him stop. I'm driving down the road, and this is happening today. And I'm just thinking, God, what? In that moment, I saw... The effects of the choice of sin and the effects of that devastation. And in that same moment, I felt the love and the compassion of God coming up out of me and saying, no, that's not right. It can be better. God can make that better. God can fix that. Only God does that in us. Only God does that in us. Some of you have been here for the last couple weeks. Some of you last week. You said a prayer to God. You said to God, God, I can't do it myself anymore. You said, God, I want you in my life. And just by opening your heart up to Jesus and opening your heart up to him, you know what he did? He planted a seed down inside of you. 
and you don't even know it yet, but that thing's starting to grow. And every time you get in a situation where you feel God's presence, every time you open up God's word and you start to study it and read it, every time you cry out to him and you start to pray, you know that that seed that's down inside of you, it's starting to grow and it's a new thing and it's coming up. And you know what it's doing? It's pushing out all of the old garbage. It's growing inside of you. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to take over until God comes alive in you in such a way that you feel what he feels and you love like he loves and you look at people and you see them the way that he looks at them. And then you know what happens to all the other crap in this world? You don't care about it anymore. It doesn't matter because you see it for what it is. It's just temporary stuff and it's going away anyway. And your love for God becomes a driving force in your life. And it all started in the beginning with a father who lost his kids. Last Sunday morning, we were having our, our Bible study here. And it's really cool. It's very casual, very open environment. And one of the people there, one of the moms, she says, I don't know why I had to experience the pain of losing two of my sons. I don't know why. And all I could think to tell her was God knows what it feels like because he lost his kids too. God knows our pain. God knows what it feels like to suffer loss. Thank God that he doesn't keep us there. Thank God that he doesn't make us stay in that place of loss. Thank God that he comes and he gives us hope. Thank God that he comes and fills us with life. Thank God that he made a better plan. Thank God that he didn't leave us lost outside of the garden, but he came after us. Jesus came after us. The father heart of God, he pulled the trigger and he chose to send his only son for us. You and I, maybe we wouldn't have been able to send two out of three. We lose two. I don't know if I can lose a third, but God said it's worth it. He said, every single one of you is worth it. I will send my other son because I know that he will bring them back home. I know that I will have a relationship with my kids if he goes. I love Jesus because he shows me who my father is. I look around this world and it's hard to find God when I look around this world. Nothing makes sense. But when I find Jesus, everything makes sense. Would you pray with me? You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.